Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. Today's episode features Courtney Stallworth, who will be sharing her two home birth stories, reflecting on them and how they have shifted the care she provides as a maternity nurse and now through her holistic maternal newborn care practice. Hello, Courtney. Welcome to the show. Hi, ladies. Can you uh, start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family? Yeah, so for me, I am the mother of two babies under two, uh, the bonus mom to a teenage young man and then a wife to a master barber here in Middle Tennessee. Uh, Out in the community, I serve as what I like to say, the servant of the three B's, birth babies and breastfeeding. And really what that looks like is just providing us with the roadmap of really how to tap into the tools we each already divinely have and really having those longevity of healthy breastfeeding that we don't see us doing very often, but really having that resource through me and my business, the Equipped Mama. So that's about me and my family a little bit in a nutshell. Yeah, shout out to you calling your husband a master barber, right? Okay, shine <laughs> on him. He's going to listen to this and he's going to be like, that's bae, right there. <laughs> <Always>. <laughs> she got him. <laughs> he worked hard for that title. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about your pregnancy? Let's get into it. Yeah, so I had two pregnancies. Um, The first, they were both opposite from one another. Um, My first child with him, I really prepared heavily before getting pregnant to, I'm a a thick plus size woman. Um, I really was into the fitness and I wanted to get in best shape possible. So I just got into fitness really heavily that first year leading up before we had decided we would have a child. And, you know, was eating healthy, working out great and taking the prenatals like six months before conceiving. And then I got pregnant with my son and all that went out the window. Um, I pretty much was unable to eat the same healthy foods because I had such bad food aversion. And that was so hard. I couldn't even stand the sight or the smell of meat cooking in my home. So we ate out heavily that first trimester. And as you can imagine, that just made me blow up (laughs) really quickly as far as gaining weight. I gained a lot more weight with my son, the firstborn, than my daughter. Um, I feel like I'm mixing both stories a little bit, but with my daughter, I didn't do those things. You know, I, I pretty much had a healthy, balanced diet, but I wasn't in my fitness regimen like I was with my son. And also she was a surprise baby. So um, there's that piece. My daughter and son are only 16 months apart. So <laughs> she was, she took us by surprise, but I was prepared as far as, okay, I got on my prenatals and I really just started what I did for both was heavily preparing for my postpartum. And I know that, you know, birth is so exciting and also it's a mystery when it's your first, especially. But I'm being a maternal newborn nurse, like I've seen how much we lack in the postpartum phase, which lasts so much longer than that, like day to two days worth of labor. So I made sure that I, you know, had my support. I gathered up my troops which for me and my husband, neither of us have our mothers with us. So my tribe looked different in the sense that I made sure I had 
a lactation specialist on standby with me. I already had my pelvic floor specialist in case like I knew who I'd go to um, as well as with my midwife. She was great with really helping me find resources in the community just so I don't have to think about it in the postpartum phase. So that is something I I was lucky enough to have a midwife that was like, hey, why don't we talk through this? You know, what does your child need to look like and who do you have access to? So definitely I spent more time towards that than I did my birth. Um, But through my pregnancy, how I was really preparing for the birth was more mental work. Um, I always say birthing is 90 percent mental, 10 percent. Uh, it's such a mental challenge sometimes in those harder periods, especially if you have a longer birth. But really just finding my way that I could anchor into these things that I had already been drilling in my head, which is words of affirmation. Um, I'm a very big, big advocate of what we speak out loud, what we allow to resonate in our minds. We carry that with us, especially when we're having more challenging moments like the birth. So my husband and I took a childbirth preparation course with my firstborn. And I know that probably sounds funny, but since I was a maternity nurse, but I really loved being able to sit back and absorb. And I'm a forever learner. So they had their own way of teaching and I loved hearing some of their insight and then the sharing in the room when you take a class, um, especially from women that have already birthed before, you know, and they want to have that refresher. But the biggest piece was my husband being able to hear it from someone that wasn't me and really getting to figure out like, okay, you know, this is why she's been acting a little crazy these past couple of weeks and also kind of helped him expect, you know, okay, well, this is what's to come. And then what labor could possibly kind of look like for us and really helped us more than anything. The course I took, she was fabulous. Um, There were some areas I was like, man, I wish we would have, you know, went deeper in these areas. But it had us start the conversation of some things that maybe we wouldn't have talked about on our own before going into birth or the postpartum period. So my husband, he is he's all for talking about the birthing experience because he had his own story in there. (laughs) Aside from my story, I mean. When you home birth, which I guess you want me to share a little bit about that as well. Yeah, go ahead. If you, um, <laughs> I, I wanted to say first that I'm I'm loving hearing how you prepared overall. Um, mm. Really, one like I think it's important for us who are in birth work. I think being able to sit on the other side and actually allow ourselves to sit in it from like, this is happening to me and kind of take Mm -hmm. out all that we know, all that, you know, we think we know about (laughs) the process of birth, but then also bringing in like our partners and other support people to be able to hear it from someone that's not us. Cause I think that also creates its own biases and what it's supposed (laughs) to be. Um, And then this importance around postpartum um, and just how important that is when you're preparing for your whole journey, uh, making sure that you're set up to have a experience that allows you to heal and bond and um, really enjoy that whole process. So, yes, to all of that. <laughs> birth workers, when we actually practice what we preach, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
Yeah, that it, it definitely is, you know, because it's so exciting, right? When you get pregnant and you're thinking about this baby, who this little person going to be, what I'm going to put them in, because this outfit that I've been holding on to before I was even pregnant and been in my closet, that was me, guys. I cannot even lie. Like, you know, you get excited about those things. And, you know, the not so fun things like, oh, okay, I need to make some padsicles. What am I, what am I whipping up in this aloe vera gel? Like, that's not fun. That's not exciting, but it's necessary. And that is definitely what I make sure that I I love to be a resource for women if they are needed to know, like, what does your postpartum kit look like? Let's talk about that. Um, but yeah, so with my husband, the birth story, with my daughter, I mean, my son, he was my firstborn. It was mostly a period of denial. I When I actually went into labor, I just was like, oh, I've got a couple of days. Um, I was 38 in six days when I went into labor with him and I had had no signs of labor, no Braxton's, no, you know, none of that abdominal tightening, no back pain, none of it. It was very much so, okay, it started this day, which was Memorial Day. We went out, we got up that morning and I had started having like some kind of cramping in my ovaries. I was like, okay, we're gearing up. Something's happening. And it was hot. And we had decided, well, we got this new house. Let me say that I moved the week before, actually 10 days before my having my son in the home. And so we were very busy. I was up on my feet. We were outside, you know, here in Tennessee when it's Labor Day weekend. I mean, Memorial Day weekend. It's, it's hot. It's hot nature time. And being up on my feet, I was starting to swell. So I felt like, OK, I must be pushing myself too much. Came back inside that morning, around about 9.30. And I was like, I'm going to just lay down because these little cramps are happening more often. And we have some barbecues we got to make it to. So I need to make sure that we can attend because <laughs> that's what's important. And I went in. I took a nap. My husband went out in the yard because he had work that he needed to do because we were trying to prep in case the baby came the next week. And... I woke up from that nap. My husband came in the door, his eyes red, watery. He has allergies and he's sniffling. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> we have to go to these barbecues. Thankfully, the little cramping that I had had subsided. And I was like, okay, we're good. We can go. You just need to take you something for your allergies. So we did that. We went out, made it to about the second barbecue around three, four o'clock. And here comes my cramping again, but more consistently. And at this point, it got so intense after we ate. I was like, oh, like I had to kind of pause when I was talking <laughs> because it started catching my attention. Where I was like, you know what? I think we should probably go. We still ain't got snacks in the house. And it's funny the things you think of when these things start happening. Snacks. I need to go get some snacks for the midwife or me. I need to go get my coconut water still. So we left a barbecue to go to the store to get the house ready just in case. Because I was like, I'm only going to have a couple days. So we get up to the house after my husband asked me like three times to call the midwife. I think you should let her know. I'm like, I don't want to get her excited. There's nothing going on. Like, this is just, you know, it's the beginning of like, I'm trying to teach him, you know, this is just early labor. You know, your body has to gear up. I haven't geared up at all. And so my husband's very adamant. He's like, look. Just call her and let her know. So I called her and she asked me, you know, well, what have you been doing today? How's it been feeling? 
And I was like, you know, I've been getting the house ready, went to the barbecues, and it's hot. You know, I'm trying to say, like, he's being silly. And she's like, and how often are they happening? And I told her, they're pretty frequent. And they're not painful. But I will say they've gotten more intense. But it hasn't, you know, my belly hasn't tightened. My back hasn't been painful. It's just been in the ovaries. And she's like, yeah, Courtney, I, I, I think this might be the start of your labor that you've been feeling. It's just the atypical type. I mean, and so I was like, oh, you really think it is? Like, I think we might see this baby tonight. So I'm like, okay, I kind of believed her. But then I was like, well, does that mean I should go ahead and drink my little glass of wine? My midwife is all about, you know, when you go in labor, drink a little wine, go lay down, go to sleep. And so I was like, she said, yes. I was like, deal. You're right. We're starting. <laughs> Let's go have this wine. So I went in and by this point, it's like seven o'clock. I get the wine. I've been showered. Me and my husband, we laid down and we were tired. He was done. He His allergy still was not right. I was <laughs> praying and believing that he would get it together. If it was real labor. So I lay down and I just remember going into a very deep sleep. And it was probably about 1030 that night that I kind of got woke up from this contraction. It was still in my ovaries. It just felt like a curling of my ovaries, like a cramp. Mind you, I was one of the lucky, lucky girls. I never had cramps with my cycles. So this was new for me. And I was like, this has to be, you know, just my body carrying up. And these were a different level. These were more intense. And I had to like get up on all fours in the bed and kind of sway my hips through it. And at this point, I like had woke up my husband and he, <laughs> he had this app downloaded for about five weeks before I went into labor. And he over there, okay, is it starting? Okay. Okay. We're going. Oh, is it done? Okay. It, it was so annoying. I just remember snapping at him at one point because by like the eighth or 10th one, I'm like, do you not see me breathing through this? Like, yes, it's going. Like, oh, bless his heart. Bless. I did not think I would be this way. <laughs> but luckily, my husband is very much so like easygoing. But he just like, OK, you know, I tried to be more attuned to what signals I was giving him versus my words. So to any and all of the dads, <laughs> be attuned to other sides other than the verbal. But we were really working through that probably about a good I'd say like 30, 45 minutes. And they were close enough, frequent enough that I called my midwife. Um, we called her on speaker and she was listening to me through a contraction. And I was, you know, it was definitely active labor. So she was like, okay, I think that you're just in the early phase. Just try to rest in between, you know, and I'll check back on you or either call me if it becomes more frequent. So at that point, I think they were probably still like seven eight minutes apart you know they weren't too too close so I worked with those about an hour and then they subsided a little bit they toned down enough to where I could get back into the bed and actually try to rest and I just remember going into this like daisy phase between I was awake but I was still kind of sleeping at the same time so I would feel the contraction but not enough to come out of that nice like kind of restful position I was in and that I probably lasted at that point it was like 12 until two. And by two o'clock, I got up because all of a sudden, as I had fallen asleep, I felt almost if you can imagine a baseball being thrown perfectly in a baseball mitten and just how it engages, like that nice pop. 
of that ball in your mitten. And that's exactly what I felt my son's head engaging in my pelvis. And it woke me out of that sleep stage. And I just remember tapping my husband and being like, go get the pool ready. Like it just in me, I was like, "Uh uh-uh, that just was not right. And as soon as I got up, that very next contraction was out of this world. It was the most intense that I'd felt. And I literally just remember getting out of the bed, curling over a little bit and really swaying and doing my breathing and like really trying to get my mind to relax, relax my body in it. And that's challenging when you're uncomfortable. But my husband went to go fill up the pool to text the midwife and I was trying to get to the bathroom because I slowly started trickling because my water had broken. And luckily the big gush didn't happen until I got on the toilet and then it's like my water fully broke. And after that, it's like the padding that you have with the contractions being gone, that intensity that you feel is like, that's, this is real. <laughs> we just got real. And so I'm calling my husband. I'm in the bathroom like, dang, don't, don't text her, call her, tell her come now. And like, he couldn't hear me. So then there's that thought of like, oh God, I'm abandoned. Like, <laughs> I'm going to be here by myself with the baby. And finally, he came sidebar. Come to find out, my husband was fighting with the hose to fill up the birthing pool because it detached and water was going everywhere in our guest bathroom. I didn't know this was going on, but that's why he could not hear me and where he disappeared to. So I come out the bathroom in between a contraction to kind of find him. And we met in the middle, like in our hallway. And I saw the birth pool and it wasn't filled up. <laughs> So he's like, oh, okay, I'm going to call her, you know, and I'm waiting for the pool. There is, labor can be lengthy, but let me tell you, there's no time like having to wait for that birth pool to fill up with the water that you know is going to give you some relief. It feels like forever. And so I'm just literally sitting there swaying, just watching this pool ever so slowly fill up. And finally, I was like, I'm just getting in. The water maybe covered my thighs, wasn't touching no part of this pump at all, but my thighs was in there, so I was somewhat content. And my midwife was called, and she was heading her over here. We lived about 30 minutes apart. And I just remember, it, like, my perineum, the way that my contractions had progressed was it went from that curling in my ovaries to where it started to translate to actually my anus. And I don't know a lot of people that may have heard of this, but you can have anal contractions. and I myself, even up to that point, as many births I've been in, I had never heard anyone describe anal contractions. And so when it started happening, like at my peak of my contraction wave, it that's where it went to is like my anus was the peak because it was the most uncomfortable. So even though my birth pool water wasn't up high, it at least was warming the areas that were having the contractions the most. And I just remember feeling like, oh, it's like a breath of fresh air. I could release when I got in that water. And the contractions became much more bearable. So I just got into my rhythm and my rocking. I would push my bottom up with both my hands because I was essentially just sitting in the pool. And I would just rock and sway my hips in the water whenever it would start to peak. And then as it went down, so did my bottom. And I would just rest all my muscles as much as I could. And my husband, he was doing so great. I like to pick on him, but he was right there with my cold rags. He had my coconut water to keep me hydrated with a straw. That's the key. Don't have me tipping this cup up. We talked about this. So, <laughs> so 
he had all of that ready. And just like every time I go through the wave, he was on his job. It was like we were just in such a sweet team mode. And it, I just loved feeling so supported. And that's something I love to really try to help couples cultivate and like kind of prepare for. It's her birth, but it's y'all's teamwork that's really going to make or break this delivery. And birth partner or not, whoever that person is for you. So when I was in that water and I just re- realized like that my midwife hadn't gotten there. Another thing I didn't get to know, she'd been pulled over by the police for speeding. Like my, all the stories that came out later, I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I'm so thankful y'all didn't tell me. I would have probably had anxiety go through the roof. But she ended up getting there at about 5.30. And when she got there, she immediately is just like, you know, she watched me and she checked in. My eyes barely opened enough to see her because I was trying to really stay in that labor space. I'd gotten into a really good groove. And she said, well, I think we need to get you up to empty your bladder. You know, you've been in here for a little while. So I did not want to, but I did. And we went to the bathroom and that getting out of that water was the hardest moment of my labor because going from that padding of that water, having your weight to feeling all the gravity and feeling all the contraction. I just remember literally just feeling like collapsing in my husband because I had enough time between the contractions to get my legs over the pool to stand up. And then I was like, I can either go through this contraction or I can hold my weight up, but I can't do both. So I literally just anchored myself on my husband, arms all around him. And he just held me while we kind of swayed through it. And I just breathed and moaned and we hurried quickly after that contraction to get me on that toilet. And that was the moment where she was saying like, you know, you're, she kind of mentioned like I sounded a little pushy and I did. I was like, I need to get off this toilet. Like, I feel like I am, you know, I feel like it's just too much. So we got up off of the toilet and she went and had me lay on the bed if I could And I wasn't feeling pushy at that point. I think it was just the way that I sat on the toilet. But I definitely know that my son, he had come down more. And when she checked me, she got me in the bed. And she's like, would you like to go in the water? So we went back to the birth pool hurriedly. (laughs) And when I got in the pool, I recognized after like maybe one or two contractions that she didn't tell me how far dilated I was. And so then you have this internal battle, like, because we'd already talked. My plan was... I don't know if I want to know. I'm either going to you know, want that as a motivator or I don't want to and just kind of ride through my labor journey. And so I asked her. <laughs> I was like, I, I need to know where I'm at in this progress because they've gotten more intense. And I'm just like, oh, you just want to know where you're at. And so when I asked her, she was like, Courtney, you're right at a seven. You're, you are doing so great. Oh. You couldn't tell me that I wasn't about to have this baby in just like another hour. I was like, yes, we have made it. I'm over the halfway marker. The rest, we are good. Like it just was so encouraging that I had already made this much progress. And (laughs) that was right at probably about six o'clock, maybe 6.15. And I was in the birth pool for about 45, 45 more minutes. And I remember her being like, Courtney, I think we need to get you up. You're just looking too comfortable. And I'm like, comfortable? Like all these things you think in your head. I asked her later. She was like, you didn't say any of this. 
<laughs> well, I was thinking a lot of things. So I just remember thinking like, oh my gosh, like you can't be too comfortable. I'm not too comfortable. And so I was like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah, let's just try to get you up. Maybe go to the potty again. And so we got up. I go to empty my bladder again. And as soon as I sat on the toilet and I did like I peed, all of a sudden it felt like the baby was ready to come out. And I told her like through the contraction, I'm like, it's so grunty. But I'm just like, I'm about to have this baby on this toilet. And she's like, I will not let the baby go in the toilet. If you feel like you're ready, push, push. And I don't know why hearing that is what I was like, oh, I can push. You know, like I just felt it was intensifying. And I think when you're in labor, you just really are thinking like, okay, it's getting more intense or this is like, you're just trying to do good work. You're just trying to work. And so the moment that you realize like, oh, like it's the next phase, it just clicked for me. And I just tried on that next wave and it is like a force field. You start pushing and then the tail end of it, it's like something takes over. And that's what's really pushing that baby out. And so about two of those pushes on that toilet, I felt my son coming. And so I was like, I got to get off the toilet. My legs was tired. They were going numb. Like, we got to move. And she's like, you want to go in the water? I was like, no, we. this is working. Like, let's stay out this water. Let's go to the bed. So I just started doing my little waddle on over to my bed, which luckily is right outside the bathroom door. When I got in that bed, my husband was beside me and I was just on all fours, kind of slumped over. We have like a TV watching pillow, if you know what that is. And I was just leaned over that. And in between my contraction, I would just rest and like collapse on it. And he was putting like cold rags down my back. That just made the world of a difference for me. I don't That was my jam with this delivery. And it literally took me about seven to eight pushes and my son's head was out. And I distinctly remember the moment when his head finally had came out that at the tail end of that contraction, I wanted to be done. So I went ahead and gave an extra push to go ahead and push him all the way out. Worst decision I made. Um, didn't know it immediately, but because of that, that one momentary choice, I tore. I tore very deeply. I didn't know at that moment. My son came out. We didn't know if he was a boy or a girl. I forgot to mention that. So she laid this baby on my chest and he's crying and peeking up. And we just, I just started tearing up. And my husband's looking at him in awe, like, oh my gosh, like the pictures say it all. Um, but then we realized, like, it was probably a good three, four minutes that we didn't even know if it was a boy or a girl. And I was like, is it who is this? And my husband's like, oh yeah, like this year, one job. Um, so he goes, lifts up the leg, and he's like, it's our son. I'm like, I knew it. And there I go because I just had this really this discernment, like this is my son. Like the whole time, I really just had no doubt about it. And we were just there and on. And then my midwife ends up telling me you know, that I was bleeding a little more than she liked. So she ended up giving me a shot of Cytotec. Um, She asked me if that was okay. And, you know, that stopped the bleeding. That was all was fine. And so we had kind of our golden hour where I was holding, well, we didn't have the full hour. We started the golden hour and I had my son on my chest. And since I was kind of bleeding, she's like, let me look a little deeper. So she started looking and checking out my perineum. And sure enough, she saw like, I had a pretty significant tear, 
But at that point, she thought she could stitch it up. And once she got to stitching, which this was so painful, um, I apparently, my body does not take to lidocaine, which is what they inject in you to kind of numb your cranium area. My body doesn't take to it well, so it doesn't give me as much relief from, it doesn't numb me as well. And so I was feeling the stitches, um, not all of them, but certain areas weren't numb. So I would feel it. And then all of a sudden when she got the hook through, I wouldn't feel it anymore. So it was very, that was very hard. And she was amazing. She was so gentle, trying her absolute best to like do it swiftly and kind of like make sure she was doing all that she could to make sure that I wasn't too much in pain, but there's only so much you can do. So when she started looking, she just finally let me know, like she thinks it's too deep. And also she couldn't visualize it well enough and she didn't feel comfortable trying to stitch me up because, you know, and this is what I love and why I say choosing your provider wisely is so important because she could have tried to have been, you know, had her ego all up, like I'm going to stitch her up. But instead, like she was confident enough to tell me she doesn't feel comfortable or confident enough to try to stitch the deep of a tear and that she thought it would be best for us to go to the hospital let them stitch it and then we could come back. So we just got to talk through some things like how do I want to go there? Which hospital? Because it's not an emergency, which just so people know, most healthy people have natural births without emergencies. It's very rare that there's like an immediate emergency that cannot be addressed. And so we had time to really talk through kind of my different options. And so I chose that we would drive to the hospital and she would meet us there and she was going to stay with me. And she called ahead, talked to their provider. When we got to the hospital, I literally got in a wheelchair. They rolled me right into a room and the doctors came in. Now, my experience in the hospital was not great. Um, just for the simple fact that my privacy was not protected. And I had people in and out of my room without introducing themselves as though, you know, my legs are wide open with providers stitching me up and. I'm hearing them talking about another patient in the C-section. You know, it just was not respectful of the space that I was in, especially someone that had gone through such a beautiful birth and now had to come to the hospital because of a stitch, you know. So that was unfortunate and definitely something I had to do some, some work um, because I didn't realize until later on that I had a little bit of birth trauma from it from the treatment that I had there. And it just kind of stems to us as black women, you know, in that space, really knowing, knowing what we're walking into and how to address it. And thankfully my husband was really great at speaking for me and being aware. Cause we, we did work together. I wanted to make sure if I couldn't speak for myself, then my partner could speak for me. And that is something I want every woman to have that's going into birth. And that's what my mission is personally. Um, but yeah, that was kind of, we ended up getting my stitch. I stayed there for roughly about five hours. I had to wait for, they had to do a, an in and out kind of spinal block so that they could do the stitch. And I had to wait for me to have my leg sensation back so that I could go home and walk into my home. And yeah, it was once we got back home and it was all cleaned up, my midwife staff cleaned the whole house, new sheets, like had my snacks beside the bed in the water. It just made me cry. All the hormones, y'all. The hormones are so real. <laughs> but that was my son's birth story. Um, it was I, I really felt it was amazing. And 
Um, even though I transferred, I loved the fact that we had the option and we knew what we wanted as far as the care that we wanted. We wanted to come back immediately the same day. I'm not trying to stay in the hospital overnight for a stitch. You know, we were able to communicate these things and have a midwife to communicate for us too. Hearing you share and talk about your birth, I felt as if I was there with you. Um, <laughs> like you just being able to have such vivid memories, even the way like you talked about, like that's what you hope um, for those who want to be that in tune with their experience. Cause I, you know, there are many layers to that, but for people mm-hmm. who want to be in tune with their experience that way, for you to be able to vividly like express how the wave curled around your ovaries or where you were feeling different sensations. Like, I mean, it may just be me as the birth geek, but I'm like, <laughs> that's the, I want people to have birth like that where you walk away, like, to just be able to sit in your body in that way is just so powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, I get chilled. I'm like, that's how I want everybody to talk about their experience, to be able to like, it's like, it's like you're painting, you're painting. a. It was art to me. That's, I just, <laughs> I, you know, I'm like, that's poetry. That's a, that's yes. That's oh, beautiful. Um. That. And even, you know, and then you hope you have like, you know, two care systems in one way, being able to work enough where your midwife could call ahead and have it. So all you had to do was get in a wheelchair and go to a room, but all the background stuff was already done. That's, that's wonderful. Now the other stuff, that's where Mm -hmm. we got an issue. But if it, if systems could work in that way, people being able to have that choice and they're not being this like, Oh, here we have this home birth transfer. And like you said, it, it, it wasn't an emergency. It, your, your midwife knew that you needed extra care, made some decisions and were able to get you to a place where like you could be taken care of. Um, so I was just over here like, yeah, I honestly say that I love the midwifery model of care because it is so, it's such a collaborative approach. And for me specifically, you know, I, I was working on a maternity unit at that time. So you can imagine the questions and the kickback and the concern and the fears that I, I heard. And I appreciate it now because I know how to communicate someone else that has to walk through that with their own families. That's never heard of anything but the hospital births, right? And really how to protect your mental through that and protect your space and to set boundaries. And, you know, I knew from my own experience that, yes, you can have a, you can have a beautiful and empowering birth in the hospital but you're going to have to work for it. And I also knew that even though I am a maternity nurse, I'm not exempt. I'm not exempt for the unfortunate part of our healthcare system is the disparity that happens with us and the black and brown community that are birthing in this space. They don't know how to communicate with us. They don't know how to really care for our bodies. And their standard is their own. You know, when I go through school, what I learned was from the white body, from the statistics that they do. It's from based off of white people. Our vital signs, you know, us as black people, our vitals run differently than the white people do. Hispanics run differently. But yet the standard is the predominant culture and race, which is white. And so 
that is something that I knew I didn't want to, even though I could have birthed on the unit, I wouldn't. Let me say that. I'm not that person that's going to birth where I work. I don't need everybody on my team, all in my charts, all in my, between my legs. I, I just can't. I don't know how people do it. Wasn't for me. Wasn't going to happen. So <laughs> I would have had to gone like I did to a hospital unit that I did not work on. And you're no one's exempt. The same thing with, who is it? Serena Williams. She's a whole celebrity. She wasn't exempt. And I think that in our community, we really need these conversations of why it's so important to take the preparatory steps to really prepare for your birth and prepare for your postpartum period. And y'all might not know this about me, but I'm a huge breastfeeding advocate. And, you know, the things that we combat, especially as a black culture and our health, they're all stemmed to being able to be combated just from breastfeeding. Having your life started from being breastfed. So we don't see it. We've had, there's a lot of, you know, sadness around breastfeeding, how it origin, our origin from our culture and having those wet nurses that had to nurse white babies. And, you know, even my auntie and them, they don't, they did not breastfeed, not near one of us. And when they see me, I'm a first generation breastfeeder in my family. And so to see me, I'm comfortable with breastfeeding wherever I'm at. Where my child is hungry, that's where they that's where they eat. I'm not going off in a closet, you know. And of course, I wear from my own comfort level. I do use a cover, or I have you know like nursing tanks and stuff like that. But that's from my comfort level. And so our culture just has to heal and also really tap into this is something we have that is literally liquid gold. That can not only help the mom, because most people just think about the baby, but it really helps the mother's healing hormone balance. It helps with the ovaries. Like breastfeeding is amazing. I can talk about forever and ever. I will not. But that is why I'm a lactation consultant, because, you know, our community, we just we just need to be provided the manual for the tools that we already have because we are already equipped. We just need the manual to how to use them. I have listened to you through this and what I haven't heard was any form of like challenge with your midwife or disruption in your pregnancy, your labor. And I'm not saying the midwives are out here being everything because there are of course harmful people everywhere. Um, but they're out here saving lives and especially black lives because it's not that you are always the expert about birth, but you are the expert about yourself and your body and yeah. having someone honor that through the whole process and sharing their knowledge at the same time, doing their job. And just like up until you went to the hospital, it's almost as if your midwife wasn't even there except for you. <laughs> um and that speaks and says a lot about you as a birthing person. Like, you did this. Mm -hmm. She was a guide. She was like the person helping along. But you did this. Yeah. And I didn't speak on that. But how we found my midwife, which, by the way, she is a white woman. Um, and here in Middle Tennessee, we only had one black midwife. And um, for, for some other reasons, I didn't choose to go with her. Um, I didn't have, even have the opportunity to, to meet with her, actually. So we, she was in another area of Tennessee. 
But this woman is actually white. And I met with four different midwives. I always say interview providers. Don't stick with who you've been with, who delivered your auntie's baby, your best friend's baby. Like interview, sample around and know what you're looking for as far as alignment. What do you desire? What do you need? Even characteristically in your provider. And so the moment I knew that she was the midwife for me, I'm also spiritual. So, you know, I really prayed and I know God gave me the discernment of yes. But when she came in and I asked her about, you know, so what would you say that your 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 birthing style is as far as being a support person when you um, come into our home? She's like, well, you know, she made the statement along the lines of when I'm when I'm granted into someone's house, I'm in their sacred space to serve. Never, none of the other, like there was some good answers, you know, the kind of generic, but like I felt her soul in that. Like when I'm allowed in someone's space, in their home, like I'm in their sacred area. So I'm there to support and be there if I'm needed. And that's exactly what I was looking for. Like you mentioned, Danielle, like I I wanted to this to be as close to me and my husband as possible with the safety of someone in case I needed someone to intervene with me. And so she definitely was that. And again, like y'all said, we all need something different, right? In our births, we all labor differently. And that's exactly why it is. You need to find someone that is in alignment with you and really you have a connection with. Now, doctors and birthing in the hospitals a little differently because a lot of them work in teams now. So you got to look at the team as a whole <laughs> and kind of weigh that factor in. But it's still doable. Um, but, yeah, I, I really appreciate it hearing you say that. I really hadn't thought that much about like how she was there. Don't get me wrong, but how it really did when it came down to it, it was me and my husband doing this good work. So walk us through a little bit of what your postpartum looked like with your son? Yeah. Okay. So with him, because I had such a deep tear in the stitching, I had a longer um, recovery time, but a little bit of that was on me. Cause as I said, we had just moved in this house. And so busybody me could not sit down and just rest and heal. And it's unfortunate because it's funny. Cause like, this is what I teach and I was not doing what I teach at all. And so I, it took me probably about 10 weeks to no longer have like the aching in like my vagina area because when you have that stitching and anytime you're up walking, gravity's pulling on that. I mean, it's, it's basically like a little hammock and it's feeling the pressure and not to mention you have this huge open wound where your placenta was attached and it's just needing to heal. But most of the times we're not, you know, to really heal, you need rest nutrition and you need to self-care and that's really hard to have in the postpartum period a lot of times with your newborn and especially when you have a house and you're trying to in between while the baby's napping you're trying to be up and hanging frames around the wall I don't even know what I was thinking but yeah so that was more on me I really just had to I used pad sickles those are saving grace to really just kind of help the first week with any kind of like swelling down there um, I love taking this tincture. It's called After Ease, and I've taken it both pregnancies with my son and my daughter. And it really just helps if you are crampy afterwards, especially if you're nursing your baby, which causes you to have some cramps. It is fabulous. It takes it took care of that for me, anyways. 
So I am not a sponsor at all, but I just love their products. <laughs> but that's really what the postpartum looks like for me. I didn't have, oh, I did have a friend set up a meal train. That was something that I really recommend. Even if you feel like you don't have many friends or a whole big tribe, you would be amazed with how many people will sign up to bring you a meal or even better this time around with my daughter with COVID 90% of the people just signed up for me to have meals delivered. So it was kind of like the DoorDash or, you know, delivery services. And that was fabulous because I didn't have to entertain nobody. Nobody tried to come see the baby in me. I didn't have to look like a real human because let's be honest, robes are like for me in the postpartum period. So, and my hair wrapped up. So it was really just very peaceful. And I can say that because although with my son, we did have people sign up to bring us meals. We had already set the, the standard um, that the first four weeks when I would speak to people, I'd be like, yeah, I'm excited about the baby coming. You know, the first four weeks would probably just be us just really trying to get in the groove. But I can't wait for everyone to meet her after that first month. So that it kind of was already known that first four weeks don't look for us. The baby, and I say this to all my moms, that baby not going nowhere. They can wait. What What is going away, though, is that a little bit of time you have to rest and sleep when you need it the most those first couple of weeks. Like that first four weeks is so precious. And I think that if anything else, I really would say for women to get out there, just go ahead. And when people are asking how you're feeling about the birth or asking how you're feeling, you know, throw that in there. I'm like, yeah, I'm excited for everyone to meet her. You know, that first month, though, whatever you want to say, insert it. But so my husband and I, I feel like we were very much so little in a bubble. And he was able to stay home with me for that first um, two weeks. And then I was on my own. Nobody talks about this much, but man, when you know your husband or your partner is about to go to work, like the amount of just, I just sobbed. I remember sobbing the two days leading up for him going to work. The day that it came though, it was beautiful. It was perfectly fine. Nothing happened. It wasn't as like scary or nerve wracking. And I know how to take care of babies. It was just like, we've gotten to be in this teamwork bubble. And especially when you go through birth and you build that at that layer of, I just call it like a layer of richness to our love. Like it just was, it felt so different um, after we had our firstborn. So we enriched our marriage, we could say. So yeah, that's what postpartum looked like for me. I did with my stitching, everything checked out great. Um, I didn't have any kind of symptoms. Um, I do think that I probably could have used to could have stood to seeing like a pelvic floor specialist at that time. It wasn't as much of a hot word as it is now. I feel like pelvic floor is the the birth word now. And when I had my son, it really wasn't spoke of that much. I didn't really have any indicators, but I know now, especially now I have a, a pelvic floor friend, like how it's good to just have a checkup because you don't know what you don't know. And so if I were to say anything else that I would probably, and I did do now, um, is to see a pelvic floor specialist just to make sure, because especially if you want to have more babies, the sneezing and, and tinkling a little bit is not normal. It's just not, but we accept it. <laughs> and you talked about your um, postpartum experience and just how important it is for people to 
pause in it, right? Um, having the plan in advance of saying like, hey, this is when we're doing this versus people mm-hmm. kind of imposing themselves and rushing to your home and feeling like that you really need them. And it's like, actually, when my husband goes back to work. Right. <laughs> you're up, champ. Like, it's like uh, And I can, yes, and COVID and the DoorDash, that is the jam right now. And that is really saving saving people a lot of energy and being able to not even have to think about what it is they want to eat. But it seems like postpartum is so overwhelming with the question of eating and food. It's like, you never really realize how much so much about postpartum is food. It's like feeding the baby. How's the baby going to eat? Will it be breast milk? Will it be formula? How do I get support in either of those things? And then it's, how am I going to eat? How is my partner going to eat? How are the other children going to eat? <laughs> like It's so heavy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all necessary. You're sitting there looking at all the ingredients in the house, but it's like nothing, Not nothing like in the meal. cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> my cabinet was bare. It was yeah. pretty bad there for a minute. But you're yeah. right, like the, the meal, especially during COVID. So with my daughter, I had her during COVID. And it was awesome because nobody was trying to come see us. <laughs> Everybody was staying in their house. And so they would just do the DoorDash or the meal delivery on the um, meal train that my friend had done. And, oh, man, like, I mean, we got to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner because you get to choose which meal. Like, nobody thinks about breakfast. I'm the breakfast postpartum friend. I'm bringing you the little egg muffin things, like stack it in your freezer. Because everyone thinks of lunch and dinner, right? So I bring the breakfast. I'm the breakfast lady. <laughs> breakfast is where it's at. Y'all missing out. Breakfast or even <gasps> brunch. Like, give me, I need some hotcakes. Mm-hmm. I need the little egg muffin thing. Anytime. Right. <laughs> Come on. Breakfast exactly. or postpartum. Yes. It's a thing. It's a movement. Come on. We're still brunching. Right. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Tell us about your daughter's birth. Yes. Hers is much shorter. Um, So with my daughter, the difference I'll say like from my pregnancy or from my son's with her is that I have very minimal symptoms. Like the food aversions I didn't have. I did have like this kind of like full feeling when I would eat. It didn't matter how little I would feel pretty full quickly. So I really had to munch constantly throughout the day. So I was just a nibbler more with her. And I also didn't gain as much weight with her. So that was a win-win. But it was a really smooth pregnancy. The delivery of her or the birthing, let me backtrack to two weeks before, I started actually having the traditional Braxton Hicks with her. I was like, okay, I know what's happening this time. So I was like, okay, we're gearing up. But it was two weeks of the teaser. And so by the time it really came time to have her, and I'm talking like the traditional abdominal tightening, like we, like you expect to have when your body's gearing up. So they had been going on and off for like two weeks. And at one point I got so excited, I was like, this has to be it. It's been like an hour and it wasn't. So I got over it. I was so over it. And the day that I had her, I got up that morning and I had some tightening and my son who's like, almost 16 months at that point, I was like, let's just go to the park. I want to go walk. 
in at this she was born in October. So it was like really nice weather. It was October 7th to be exact. And so it was still nice. It was kind of cool, but not too cold. So we went and I'm just squatting around the park. I'm sure those people were so concerned. I mean, I looked like I was ready to pop. I was. And I was doing my deep squats. I really focused on this pregnancy, preparing my perineum. And the deep squats, not repetitive, like deep and holding your squats, that's where it's at. Because you really want to help that perineum elongate and be able to feel the stretch for a long time and then come back once you're standing up and contracting. So it just really helps it become more um, buoyant, I guess you could say. But that was me. That's what I focused on. I worked up to where I could sit in a squat for like a good four minutes straight. And so I would do this periodically throughout the day. Like I started from like 30 seconds and like I built my way up as I was getting bigger. <laughs> so I'm at the park. I'm just doing this deep old squad and then people really looking at me like concerned. But it helped me to get out and I wasn't thinking about it. So by the time we left the park, we were there for maybe like 45 minutes to an hour. I was like, OK, I'm having this tightening and, you know, it's still been going on in this now like hour and a half. And this was earlier that day. It wasn't painful. It didn't get more intense. It was just kind of consistent. So we were around the, we went around the house just like bopping around. We didn't do anything special. I just remember thinking like, this might could be the day, but I don't know. And as soon as I started thinking that, like they stopped altogether. It was like three, four o'clock. So I had no more tightening. Me and my husband decided this was going to be our date night. So we stayed up date night, guys. It's COVID season. Day night, watched a movie. We don't ever watch movies. We go to sleep. So it was special. So we were up kicking and then he had a game came on. So we watched the basketball game and I'll never forget his game ended at 11 and we got in the bed and, you know, did our prayers. And I remember put my phone up and looking and it was 11, 11.04. Rolled over, put the covers over and all of a sudden I had this very familiar ovary curling that I had felt. It wasn't the abdominal tighten. It was an ovary curl. And I looked at that phone. It said 11.06. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. The one night I didn't get my sleep. The one day I thought I should be squatting around and just, you know, doing all the things. And sure enough, they started and they kept going and they kept getting more intense. And this time was different because I did have the abdominal tightening, but with the traditional, like my ovary curls that I had before. And I was like, oh, oh, just don't let me have the anal contractions. Can we just not, can we not do this again? And so it was cool at first. And I told my husband, I was like, whew, about 15 minutes in, it was intense. And it had moved on to my anus like that quickly from 11, 06. And then at this point, it was probably 11, 20, 11, 30. And I was like, let's call Lauren. This is, you know, it's feeling a little something. So I called her as I told my husband and go ahead and start filling up the pool. <laughs> so I called my midwife and I was trying to talk to her. As I'm on the phone with her, we were on the phone out for eight minutes total. In that eight minutes, I had already had three or four contractions. And I was talking to her, telling her how it felt. I was like, I, I just started, Lauren. She's like, I think I need to come. Like, Courtney, you, you're having to take breaks to talk to me. And I said, okay, well, look, because I am that person. I don't want people waiting for me to have this baby. I don't need that pressure, like that mental thought, like they're waiting around 
for me to do this performance. Because that's what it is. You're pushing out, baby. Everybody's waiting for this. And so I would rather people come or for her to come when it's actually go time. So I asked her after breathing through a contraction, I was like, just give me 30 minutes. Let's see if this goes away, subsides. And if it doesn't, then you can come. Meanwhile, my husband's like, she need to come now. Like his big fear was because my son's birth was a little fast. It was like nine hours and everybody had been picking with him. That second baby just falls out. He didn't want to be the one catching this child. So the whole pregnancy, he's been like, you can come stay. We got a guest room. Like as soon as things start, how about you just come up? We'll cook. Like he was really trying to bargain with my my midwife. She was not having it. But so she was like, all right, there she is again. Same midwife. You know, when you when you want me to come, I will come. So I got up, went to the bathroom. My husband's filling up the pool. They were very intense. And I was just waiting for it to kind of subside. And it didn't. And when I was on the toilet again, that's when I felt like it intensified. Like me being in that squatty position on the toilet again. And I have a squatty potty now where my feet are up. And that position, like it just made my daughter go down. And I was like, oh. This is, this is, this is happening. So it had maybe been like 20 minutes. By the time I finally waddled out the bathroom and got to my phone, I, in my, where my husband was in the living room, I was like, I'm going to call her. And like, I try to breathe through it and I call her, tell her to come on. The pool this time is about 50% ready. So I was like, let me do this, this video. I had in my mind, cause I knew it was a girl this time. We decided to do it differently. We found out her gender. I was like, I'm going to do a video vlog for her throughout this this labor and birth like I know she will appreciate this I got one video from my birth and this video is hilarious in the time frame it's maybe like three minutes long I've been gone through like two contractions and breathing through it but it's still precious and I know that I will I, I can't wait for her to watch it some years from now but <laughs> I got in the pool and I immediately felt relaxed again. I was definitely having my same anal contraction, but I, this time I couldn't sit on my bottom and do like the hip swaying. That was the most uncomfortable position for me. So this time my comfort was being on all on my knees and my hands. And so on all fours and my husband was like at the head of the pool and he was doing his thing again. You know, he's got this, like the cold rags, he's like on it, cold rag king. So he was putting them on me through the contractions and my midwife got there. So if we started at 1106, it was probably right at, I think it was right at about 1150, 12 o'clock, I want to say, is when she got there. And I was just working through it. And at this point, like they were back to back. It was definitely feeling intense. And because it was so quick, the my mind, I was having trouble with keeping my mind in the positive because in my head I'm like God, I got hours of this to go like it's so intense it would I mean this felt like the end of my last labor and what's funny is I immediately started thinking like oh, I'm just gonna see what it feels like to push down and so see what that does because it was just so intense that next contraction when I did that that force field came again. That's what I call it. Like when I started to push, my body grabbed onto that energy and pushed down with me. And I felt my daughter going down. And the minute I felt that, 
I was like, are you kidding me? Like she's coming. And like my midwife, because she heard me like the, you don't have to feel a woman when she's in labor. If you're in tune with that one, you know where we're at in our progress in this labor. And like, I was in transition. And well, at this point I was in the pushing phase. I'd already gone through transition and that's why I was so intense. And I did it another contraction. And then another, she's like, I remember hearing her in my husband's hand, like, you're doing so good. And then she immediately saying, I can see the baby's head, Courtney. It's on the sack. And I was like, oh, I can't believe she's on the way. Like, and like, I'm trying to gather myself like, because it's happening so quick. And so I push again and her head comes out. And I hear my midwife say, Courtney, touch your baby's head. She's still in her sack. It's still attached. And so I couldn't reach around because, again, I'm plus size. I couldn't reach around this big old belly because my arms are tied. I've been on all fours during this labor. But I couldn't reach back and hold my whole weight up with one arm. I was like, I can't do this. Like, I had to just take her word for it and stay right in my zone. So I got the next wave started coming. And so I pushed again. Her whole body came out. And so what my midwife told me was she was born in the in her sack until her hips came out. That's when my water broke. And so she lifted her up to me through my legs up to the front. And she had a very short umbilical cord. So I could only bring her up to where my belly button was. But it was just enough. Like her head and her shoulders were above the water. She was safe. Um, but I looked down at her. And the pictures of me are horrible. My face was like, oh, my God. Like, you can see it on my face, like, you're here? Because I just could not stop saying it. She's here. Oh, my God. She's here. And, like, it was so fast. She was born right at 12.56. And I had gone into labor at 11.06. So it was, I'm sorry, 12.46. And so it was such a quick turnaround. And although that sounds amazing, when I think back on her labor versus my son, it's like, my son, you have that slow buildup of intensity. With her, it happened so fast and intense. Like from the moment we started, I had no break. There was no pause and take a nap. There was no like, it was, we're in this doing this hard work. And, but it was over. Like the moment I started feeling her pushing out, I was like, this gust of energy, like, yes, like it's here. This almost over. And my husband was right there and he always cuts the umbilical cord. So he, I had her finally, we kind of started bleeding. So we got me up out the pool um, before he cuts the umbilical cord, got me up out the pool so she could check my bleeding. I think I just am a bleeder. So she gave me some side attack to kind of slow down my bleeding again. And I immediately, like, as I'm holding my daughter, I'm like, how, how's 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 my bottom is what I asked her and she looked she's like Courtney you barely tore it off like yes that's all I needed to hear it was over it was a wrap we've made it I sunk into that bed and her book you know I pushed out the placenta so I could bring her all the way up on my chest and you guys when you sit back in that bed and you're in your home and you know you're here your family's here you're safe mind you my son was in the bedroom sleep the whole time. And we had to go nowhere. I just, I just started praising God. Like I was just so thankful and grateful for like a, another birth and bringing this human in. And 
just having my team. Like I just remember looking around at my husband right here, my midwife there. She's like all doty because at this point, like we're family. I've been with you two years back to back <laughs> and her nurse team. So it was just amazing. It was fast. It was furious, but amazing. <laughs> I love how women's bodies just become so efficient, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your body's like, oh, no, we've got this. We've done this before. We've got, mm-hmm. we've got, you ready? Um, you're right. This is about to buckle up. Right? <laughs> uh, but it's awesome that you were able to have both, right? Both experiences of going through that, because as you do care for other women, that you do see two sides of it, um, that you do get that experience of when women say that something's happening to them, you believe them, right? Mm-hmm. You don't say, oh, it just feels intense because, you know, it's been a while since you had a baby or, you know, and it's like, no, no, this is it. And I said, it's it. And so just like you can take that for yourself, you can bring that into how you work and care for other women as well. Um, I mean, think about your postpartum with your daughter being in a season of COVID outside of like, as we've talked about the food issues and stuff. How was it for you with having now a toddler mm-hmm. postpartum, um, not being able to be out and about or doing the things we would normally do with our families and for how were you like mentally as well during your postpartum? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. I actually suffered from baby blues um, with my daughter. Um, And a lot of that I contribute to, I really feel like our pregnancies and events that we face emotionally through pregnancy plays a lot in the postpartum, in the increase if you have blues or postpartum depression or psychosis. And unfortunately for me, I had, I was pregnant throughout 2020. So wait a minute. Yes. 2020. I had to make sure my years is right, guys. I was pregnant during 2020 and all the things that went on, the racial, just every single thing. I mean, it was one thing after another and I internalized a lot of that. And on top of that, like I said, and I joke about it, but it's real, is that my daughter was a surprise. And so I had to really um, go through and process the kind of mourning that I had where I felt like I was robbing my son of just being able to have me and his dad. Like he, my gosh, my son was like, like nine months old when I got pregnant. So it just felt like it was too soon. And so I had to do a lot of work through that to get to a place of joy versus, you know, I was thankful. I was very thankful that I had been blessed to have another child and conceive. But the reality was I was not trying to expand my family yet. And there was a lot of tri- like trials with that. And then COVID and then our business is getting, you know, shut down. And it's just a lot of stuff. So postpartum, when she came, I had postpartum blues. And it didn't help that with COVID, you, you don't get to just go out. My son would go walk at the park. I'd go to Target and get stuff I didn't need. And it, you, just, you can't do this during COVID. So I was very much in the house with my thoughts. And so that made it very challenging. Um, what really helped me through, of course, was spiritually. Like I really had to cleave to God and really just keep myself mentally on what is true versus what is just fear and what is just hormones. Because you know, when you're postpartum, you're not in the best mental space already, just from a 
physical, like biological perspective, you're already dealing with a lot. So then add on this kind of emotional wave that you have to carry with yourself throughout your pregnancy. It just, I needed the support of my husband a lot more this time. Um, He actually stayed off of work longer, not from us because of COVID, (laughs) Um, but he stayed off longer and which was very good because I got to have him having more help with her and me having more time to really take care of me. So if there was one very um, big difference between the two postpartums was I was more selfish this time in a good way. Like I needed it. I tried, it was normal the first two weeks. I was trying to do my normal thing, what I remember doing it. Then I was depleted so much faster. Like I needed to care for myself. I needed time to go for a walk, take a drive, take a shower, the second one for the day for no reason. Like just really trying to take care of me. And my husband was very supportive in that. And like, I had to, it was hard for me to say to him, like, I, I'm struggling. And, you know, especially during a time where you're supposed to be so joyous, you know, you have, you get to soak up all those newborn snuggles and you're not feeling that way. Right. You, I love my daughter. I love her. And I did then too. It's just, I, there was a disconnect that I needed to work through. And so it was luckily, it took me about four weeks to really feel like I was resurf, like surfacing and I had great family support this time around. Well, I had it the first time too, but this time around, my sister-in-law, she really went above and beyond. I'm talking consistent meals every week, coming just to sit with me and like being there for me to talk to. She also has multiple children. So she understands. Um, I had never dealt with any type of depression or anxiety before myself. So this was a very new, new field. I know it. I know how to educate about it. I know how to give people great resources, but walking it out myself was very new. So it took a lot of just being honest and um, being okay with not being okay and being able to communicate that. So that was my postpartum. The healing was great. Oh gosh. By the fourth week though, physically, I was good. I was up like you, you couldn't tell me nothing. (laughs) When you don't have a tear, it is such a big difference. Like it was, I also sat my butt down. Now that is another thing. I wasn't up trying to decorate. I had done all my things again with my postpartum pack. It's harder when you already have a child because you don't have as much time to yourself to just organize and stuff. But I did it because I knew how valuable it was. So yeah, I did all of those things and Came out of it, came out of it strong, even through COVID and all of its crazy. <laughs> I just, you know. I wish they could see you. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. This is good. We are truly thankful for you sharing today. Um, mm. Just n- not even um, one to hear all the goodness and all the layers to this. Um, but even things like, you know, as birth workers where I'm like, bring that in. You got to make sure families are doing this and that. I feel like, you know, Danielle and I say we learn so much from being able to share space with our storytellers in this way. Um, but it's just going to be so wonderful for someone else to hear and connect with your experiences today. So I'm geeking over here. Um, <laughs> 
but is there anything else that you want to share about your birth um, resources or even about your work that you're doing um, with families? Yeah, I mean, I would love to share. Um, my business is called The Equipped Mama, and that's M A M A. And that's on all handles, especially Instagram at The Equipped Mama, and Facebook is the same. But I offer childbirth prep. My childbirth preparation course is called Equipped to Birth. And it is not for if you're home birthing or hospital, it's for wherever you choose to birth, you will be equipped. And I've made a very comprehensive course that's geared towards the birthing person and their partner. And I offer that virtually and in person. Um, I alternate months where it's in person versus uh, virtually. We're just now hopefully about to do an in-person. So <laughs> it's mostly been virtual. And I love it, though. I, I honestly have grown to love that space because women from all over the world, like here in the U.S., they get to be in this class together that they would have never met one another had it not been for this course. And they're walking that same season of life. So I really am seeing how I envision Secret Mama to be not only a resource spot, but like a true like community for the birthing and lactating community. And so I am actually going to become this fall Tennessee's um, only black IBCLC. So I'm very excited guys. I just finished my course and everything. I already offer uh, lactation counseling as a registered nurse in my degree, but this step is what I needed. I needed another more letters so that I can help um, certified lactation counselors actually get their hours to become IBCLC as well. We lack, we are only 1%. So no wonder we can't have access to more lactation support people that look like us. So I'm hoping to, y'all follow me if you're wanting to get your IBCLC. I'm really trying to put together a way so that there can be more of us in this field. But for the moms, you can reach me. I do virtual consultations as well um, and in person. But yeah, the equipped mama, come, come on, come on. <laughs> it's going to be in the show notes. I love it. We got you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you you so much. Thank you. Listening to Birth Stories in Color. To hear this show and other episodes, head to birthstoriesincolor.com. 